RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Hey, Scott. It looks like you're uh, in your traveling office. On the move today. You know, I'm your visitation pastor, so I got to be out there all the time. <laughs> with the people. <laughs> so, yeah, with the people. So, hey, everybody. My name is Scott Weimer, and I'm one of the pastors at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And as I just mentioned, primarily in the area of congregational care and home visitation. And today I'm interviewing the Reverend Jeff Myers, who's senior pastor at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And this is called Closing the Distance. And it's an opportunity for, for us, for one of the members of the staff, to interview the preacher from the previous Sunday and close the distance, uh, kind of summarize and hear from Jeff how, how he developed the sermon and what he was thinking as he approached it, and then how he felt about the sermon itself afterwards. And this so we'll jump right in. So Jeff, th- we're talking about Sunday, November the 5th, 2023. And we're, and so you preached in the morning. I got to hear your sermon twice. You preached it four times and I heard it at 9.30 and 11. It was, it was such a good sermon at 9.30, so well received. And at 11, uh, just as much energy and just as well received. So it was uh, a powerful sermon. And then Sunday evening, you came back, we came back for a fifth service on Sunday, and you preached an entirely different sermon. And we were celebrating the five-year anniversary of the modern service, and we wanted to acknowledge the significance of the modern service. And you preached a sermon that was especially well received uh, by all accounts. So it was a long day for you, but a good day and a day of uh, high impact. So this is Tuesday. How are you feeling? Did you get any rest at all? You look well, rested. Uh, not a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm young. I got energy. But I, I, think, you um, I mean, I think for two reasons. I was I was really excited about both messages that I was going to bring, um, you know, as we're kind of rounding out our generosity season. I'm excited about the mission and vision of the church where we're going into the future. So I was really excited about the morning. And then in the evening, just, you know, I remember, you know, seven years, I think I kind of got hired, um, <laughs> you know, for this job in part because I had experience with you uh, leading a, a modern contemporary service. And so, but when I started at RPC, it was kind of like there, you know, it was just an idea and to think like, okay, how are we going to come up with it? How are we going to uh, 
put all the details together. Will anybody show up? Is is there a, a thirst for something like this? So it's really excited, exciting to see five years uh, down the road to see what God had done through the service and how many folks it's blessed over the years. Well, yeah, what a great day. And so let's talk a little bit about the morning service and uh, the concluding the generosity season. And I had not thought previously about preaching a generosity sermon uh, from Nehemiah. But tell me a little bit about that. How did how did that come together for you? You know, oh, frankly, Scott, uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe the maybe the Holy Spirit. I I think I'm always because generosity season stewardship. We do it once a year. We do it in the fall. We know what the general theme is, and I'm always trying to figure out what's a new take on an old theme, um, so it remains fresh and helps us see. And this year, I really wanted. Um, to get into kind of think the nuts and bolts of ministry, like that, you know, paying for the light bill, paying for the physical plant and the and making sure the carpet's clean and all the things that go into making our facilities run, that that is, that's ministry too. And we're using it as a vehicle to help our partners um, do ministry, uh, a place, uh, uh, a, a hub for people to come and then be deployed out in ministry in their lives. And so I was trying to think of, okay, what is the most concrete kind of vision of that kind of idea in the Bible where like the physicalness of building something matters. And it's not just kind of abstract spirituality, but it's really concrete. And then it hit me that Nehemiah is so concrete. He's got this vision. He needs to gather the people, build them up, deploy them in a really, uh, a way that's going to build the wall around Jerusalem, that's going to fortify the city, unite the community, give them identity. And that's really important, but it's not abstract. It's really concrete. And so that's why I was drawn uh, to the story of Nehemiah. Well, it, I, I've been doing ministry for a long time and I got insights that I'd never seen before. And I, I got so much out of it. And uh, there's the great vision, you know, of Nehemiah and uh, going to the king and uh, asking to be able to go. And the, the king grants him this opportunity to leave and go back to to his city, to Jerusalem. And, you know, the walls had fallen apart. They People had been away for so long. And it was a big ask. I mean, it's a big ask of the king, but it's also a, you know, it's a it's a bold it's a bold vision. It's not an easy thing to go back and go a long ways away and and rebuild the walls of a city and and then the king is so you know it's remarkable it gives him resources even but that's the big vision and you know the leadership that comes from the vision of Nehemiah and and you know as spiritual leaders and you as our senior pastor you give us vision that's a that's a calling and that's a gift that God gives you and and the other leaders of our church and and that vision bold is exciting about the future, but it does involve the nuts and bolts. And I love the point that you were making about, and could you just say something about the the word of Nehemiah to, of how everyone's involved, like even help your, your neighbor and fortify your home and say something about that if you would. Yeah, I think I love it kind of his strategy for rebuilding the wall. Okay, so he's got the resources, he's been given the time off, now that he's got the authority, he's the governor, and he doesn't use it, all of this, these resources to enrich himself. 
He says, how can I deploy these resources to serve the people uh, and, and help them do the work that we're all called to do? And so they're called to rebuild the wall across from where they live, not across town, not somewhere else, but right where they have a vested interest in doing a good job and giving their all for it. And I love that uh, he did that. And I think um, we need to take care of the people that are around us. I think that's our per, our first um, priority is how are we taking care of our children? How are we taking care of our seniors, our grand adults? How are we taking uh, care of folks here in our community? And, and we have a vested interest in taking care, making sure that people feel loved, they feel valued. Um, and that's important. I, and I've really learned that from Nehemiah. Uh, but then I think also, and this is, I mean, I served under you, Scott, for 11 years. One of your great gifts uh, to me is in mentoring was just how to cast that big vision, you know, um, and, and this is where we're going. And this is, and it's almost like you're stepping out in faith. You have no idea, like all of the little steps along the way to get there because you're that's what faith is god's going to lead you but you've got to give it so we know where we're going we know where the steps lead and i think i really learned that uh serving under you it's funny i was thinking um you know when i took the job uh, uh, under you i was you know doing college ministry and uh i you know i was at this ideal seminary and i had this idea uh i was a bit i was a big vision guy you know i was gonna i was you know i was responsible to cast the vision all this and then it took me about three or four years to realize, not really, I'm not supposed to be the vision guy. That's that's the senior pastor. That's the head guy. Uh, that's the session. Those, My job is to do the nuts and bolts of like, you know, getting in the trenches. You know, it was a numbers game. How many coffee meetings could I have? How many uh, lunches? How many uh, parties could I throw? And, and th in that, that's the little steps is how the big ministry grows. And I think uh, that's one of the things uh, I learned from you, one of your marvelous gifts. So thank you. Well, this is about you. It's not about me, but I, you, you're very generous uh, in your comments. Thank you for that. I do remember that, uh, you know, in the very beginning, we had a conversation, you and I had a conversation about uh, if you wanted to build, if you, if part of your vision uh, in sync with our vision, my vision, if you wanted to build, anchor that, that ministry, your ministry around an evening service that we already had. And I think we said something like, uh, you can have it, you can have this service. And, and so you were eager to do it, but you, you really shaped that service into the future. I mean, it had a history and it, uh, and so you were rebuilding the wall yourself and it was great to watch. And it was funny, Scott, I remember when you did that, I think you just said something like, well, here you go, here's the service. And I thought, you know, I was fresh out of seminary. I'd taken a preaching class and I think I'd written three <laughs> sermons for that class. And I was like, well, I've got to preach every week. Well, I've got three, I got three sermons to give you three weeks. And then what? And, <laughs> 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 you know, you're seeing it every Sunday in perpetuity for the foreseeable future. That's a lot of content. So that was, uh, it was great preparation, uh, you know, for the future and for what we're doing now at RPC. <laughs> Well, I tell you, the, the only way, to, as you know, the only way to become a great speaker, the only way to become a really good preacher is to do it over and over and over and over and over. And we learn and we make mistakes and we learn and we and and it, it's been it's been just so gratifying to watch you soar in your preaching. I mean, you are just such a good preacher, Jeff. 
And so again, that's that's not what this is about today, but I just got to tell you that it's, yeah, well, it's really you. a joy. I remember Dr. LaRue. Did you take Dr. LaRue when you were at Princeton? No, but we had him come to North Avenue. Oh, uh, Presbyterian. Okay. I knew you had some connection. Dr. LaRue, he gave us this advice. He was our preaching uh, professor at Princeton Seminary. And he said, y'all, if you want to become a good preacher, go and take a solo pastor job or, you know, where you're going to preach every week and just start grinding away because that's the only way you're going to develop the gift. And that was, I think it's just really wise advice. And really, not just about preaching, but about anything. Like, Go and get what Malcolm Gladwell calls your 10,000 hours and just start working because it's going to take a long time until you're good at it. So just yeah. start now. Well, so uh, the the generosity sermon and the season has really been effective, in my opinion, and the opinion of other people within the congregation that have spoken to me. And on Sunday, uh, someone after the service said to me, you know, I've been hearing generosity sermons for decades. I think she said maybe 40, 50 years. And she said, today is, it, Jeff just hit every, all the right notes and it was inspiring. And so I, I'm not saying that just to, to be an encouragement to you, but to say, this is having your, these messages are getting through to people and, and people are, they're, they're searching their own hearts with regard to what they give and why they give. And my hope is that anybody listening to this today is like, if you haven't given your pledge yet for this year, uh, whatever you're thinking about giving, give more. And, <laughs> and, and, and what comes from that is just the joy of being connected with, with all these different aspects of ministry and mission. Uh, in, in the Sunday afternoon, I also visited some um, grand adults in our church, and uh, when I when I walked into their uh, to their home, the first thing they said was, "Man, I tell you, I'm going to rewrite my will after the sermon today." And he wasn't being funny; like he was being, "I I just need to leave the church in my will, and I want to do that." And uh, his wife said, "Well, maybe we should talk about." that and no they're going to talk about it but the fact that he even had that encouragement uh and inspiration did i think that was that's the holy spirit working really through you and through the service and so thanks be to god well and the mission you know i i and i tell people this i don't i do not apologize for asking people's money that and for them to to be generous to our, our church because i believe we are running an efficient effective um impactful ministry and like we're not wasting resources. You know, we're trying to do good. People are here for the right reasons. And, you know, you can look up underneath the hood and the budget and all of this. It's all open. And so we're all together in this. I'm really, it was a blessing to, to you know, call people to arms and to, to give. Um, and I was able, and actually one of the cool things, just as you're saying this, Scott, and I wonder if people were responding to some of the stories I told of people in my own life who I saw be generous and yeah. really prioritize making a difference in the world um that made a huge impact on me and my life trajectory like they, they made priorities that where they could have gone one way they went another way rather than to enrich themselves they gave away and actually were spiritually richer in the long run um and i think those as we bear witness to those kinds of stories and that impact i think we we can't help but be 
impacted and influenced by it. I think you're right. And, you know, as, as we've been talking even in this conversation, I've been thinking based on how you were talking about uh, Nehemiah using the resources that he had and gave them away toward this vision that he had, not to enrich himself. And the examples of the people that you've known who had the ability to make gazillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's so countercultural, especially right now when it seems that everything in the world is driven by money. Mm -hmm. It just seems like self uh, aggrandizement, uh, being seen, uh, whether we're being seen for whatever reason it is, but just, just to be seen and to, uh, the more we have, the more we, we think uh, in our culture is, is going to validate us. It, it doesn't work that way. It's so rare for people to actually step away from that. And, and be, because it takes a lot of money to live. It, it takes a lot of resources to live and the, the way we want to live. Right. And so to step away in, in such a countercultural way and, and give of ourselves. Well, really great stuff. So Sunday evening, let's just spend a minute on that if we can. So yeah. it was everyone who was there. It, the, the worship was especially powerful. The, the worship team, the uh, your message, uh, and having people of all ages there we had babies and toddlers and and some of them were like moving uh during the court not so much the babies but the toddlers <laughs> we don't yeah. want the babies to move. uh and grand adults who were there and in between and uh and the message about moses and the call and the call story it it seemed to really resonate with people and but i just wanted to ask you how you felt about that service and uh and what you were hoping would happen, I'm guessing it happened and more, but what, what's your perspective yeah. on it? it well, I, 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 so I wanted it to be a celebration and authentic to what that worshiping community has kind of become over the five years. Uh, under our leadership, our director of worship, Betsy Homer and Trenton um, and their teams really kind of shaped the entire service, putting all these component parts and we were able, I mean, it was a long service. I think it was an hour and 25 minutes, which is on, well, it's impractical usually on a Sunday morning because of all our services, but it was able, we were able to take the component elements that we would put, you know, over two months, but only one at a time in each service. And we put them all into one service, um, which was really fun to make it, to see it all together and all the moving parts. So you had communion, you had video testimonies, you had music, you had, uh, uh, the liturgy, you had the sermon, you know, all these parts. It was fun to see that all together as a celebration of what, uh, what it's done. Because RPC, I mean, is a fairly traditional church historically. I mean, we've been around for 184 years. Um, and so to, so to think, let's do something new that we've never done before was really, um, was really a, a risk-taking for our leadership, our, our elders, our staff. And we had some great leaders, Emily Wright, who was a former senior associate pastor here, who's now a senior pastor in Austin, Texas, really gave leadership. Um, I mean, and she's the kind of person you'd be like, take that mountain. And she would take that mountain. I mean, she was fearless. And she was the kind of person that needed to bust through a lot of the obstacles and challenges to make it happen. And so it's exciting to see, especially to endure through the pandemic and quarantine and all that. It's still 
uh, resonating with people is really, uh, really a blessing. You know, and a lot of people uh, who know Emily Wright and who weren't there on Sunday evening might be be encouraged to know that there, she gave a video uh, message to us and it was really good. And uh, her face was, you know, right there in the uh, in the center of the video and her words of encouragement, affirmation. And uh, I thought that was just that was special. I thought it was a lo lovely touch, especially for those of us who remember, you know, Emily, I think was here like 16 years she served. So she left a deep impact on a lot of folks. And so um, it was really fun to uh, include her in the service because uh, she means so much still to all of us, even though we're separated by a few states now. <laughs> well, you know, they say, uh, what do they say that uh, with uh, pitchers, uh, you're only as good as your last game or uh, of anything, right? And so yeah. we had this amazing day on Sunday. Um, and, and now it's Tuesday, so we're already into what's coming. And so what are you into this week? What are you thinking and what's coming up? Well, this, so um, before we head into Advent, we're going to, I'm going to preach this Sunday and the following Sunday. And then I think, are you preaching in three weeks? I was, but you're preaching. Okay. What's well, so, up? Uh, so... I need to be at the North Avenue Presbyterian Church's 125th anniversary. Right. And so, but right, if you can give me the Sunday sometime. There's, there's a lot of moving parts here. So anyway, I'm this Sunday, I'm going to preach a sermon. Um, I think it was somebody gave me some tapes of Frank Harrington, who used to be the senior pa longtime pastor at uh, Peachtree Press, gave me some of his tapes. And so he was like, you got to listen to this sermon, Come Before Winter. And it's a sermon that he borrowed from a guy that was a pastor in Pittsburgh. And so, yeah. I heard, and then I heard a bunch of other people. And so kind of like a jazz musician playing, it's his own um, version of a, of a jazz standard. I took it up and kind of put my own spin on it, which I thought would be kind of fun. And so I'm going to do my version of that uh, come before winter this Sunday, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It's a great passage. And uh, I remember last year when you preached the sermon and I know it'll be, fresh and new and insightful and such a timely message. And I hope people are listening to this. Make sure that you're in church next Sunday and listen to this sermon because it, it, it will, it's a, it's a sermon that it'll be, as you're indicating, that it's going to be joyful for you to preach it. There's also an urgency that is inherent in this sermon. Uh, as Paul writes to Timothy, come before winter because, and then why? And that's where you're going to be exploring. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this has been a great conversation, and thanks so much uh, for taking the time, and thanks for your leadership, and uh, can't wait for Sunday. Thank you, Scott, and thank you for pulling over and not continuing to drive while you were uh, doing this conversation. <laughs> well, uh, well, point well taken, and now I'm ready to go visit, so I'm trying to do my job. You're, you're doing a great job, Scott. It's an honor to serve alongside you. It's my honor. Take care, right, Jeff. See you bye -bye. soon, man. Bye-bye.